Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Concord. Good morning, Davidson. Good morning to those of you joining us online. If you'll take your copy of God's Word, take it out and turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to read a part of Numbers chapter 11 as we continue this process of of, uh, occupying. And I want to preach a word this morning simply entitled, entitled, Choose. Choose. You see the theme this morning already? Choose the craving. Choose the craving. How many of you found in life that what you like to eat has changed somewhat through the years? When you were five years old, you, you probably didn't come running in or come home uh, from school for that afternoon snack and ask mom for a nice slice of brie. It, it, it probably was, hey, hey, dad, could you, could you hook me up with some blue cheese dressing, right? But on, but on the contrary, now, if you're 45 and your diet is Sour Patch and gummy worms and cotton candy... Our, our taste buds change, right? Our, so the, the cravings, the cravings change. You know, the, the science, we started to get into this this week, and, and this really interests me. There's, there's four things uh, physiologically that go into, so why do you like what you like? Why do you like what you like? It's, it's about genetics. It's about experience. It's about age. And it's about emotions, All the guys whose wife is pregnant, look at this list. Don't ask questions. Just go to Sonic. Okay? Just understand that there are physical reasons going on for all of this. So gene- genetics. If you're, did you know that if your mother had morning sickness, you are more likely to crave salty foods? I don't know why. They don't know why, but it's a, it's a direct correlation. Now everybody's going to be texting their mom this morning. Hey, mom, do you have morning sickness? And they're like, that's what ruffles for lunch today. I'm going to dive into my Lay's potato chips. Genetics play a part of this. Experience, right? Our, our experience, and this is made up of things like smell. That's why you just finished lunch, drive-by cookout, and you're hungry again. Because of the smell, like the smell affects us. The aroma of fresh brewed coffee when you walk downstairs in the morning. The, the smell of popcorn in a movie theater, right? Or what, what about on the other side? If you are congested and you have a cold and you can't smell, you're uh, not likely to be as hungry. Or, or what, about, what about surroundings? Have you noticed that your surroundings play into this? How many of you discovered that a corn dog tastes different at the county fair than it does in your kitchen? <laughs> it's about, it's about, sometimes it's about your surroundings or, or even sound and texture. Do you know that if you take, uh, back to the potato chips, if you take potato chips and let them get what we would call stale, so, so meaning like if they get wet or if they get soggy or, or that kind of thing. Do you know that technically a potato chip that doesn't crunch tastes exactly the same as a potato chip that's crispy? 
But how many of you are like, no, it doesn't, right? So texture and even sound, celery, if celery doesn't crunch, when you bite it, throw the celery away. Like even though it tastes the same, it doesn't taste the same. Age, age plays a factor in this. Listen to this, very scientific. As we age, the regeneration of taste buds along with smell receptors begin to fade. And so, while, and so while the lessening of smell receptors decreases the boldness or subtleness of food, the slowing of the taste bud regeneration lessens the ability to enjoy new food experience. All that to say this, if you're 65 uh, and you go to Cracker Barrel, you can order the same thing every time you go to Cracker Barrel and nobody has to make you change anything. <laughs> Tell them, my pastor told me there's science behind that. So... <laughs> How many of you found that with a little more age that you like, I like what I like? <laughs> emotions, emotions, emotions like stress, cause cravings toward comfort food, uh, fats, sweets, those, those sort of things. And so they all, they all come into play. And basically the, the idea that I want to get across to you this morning is that we feed, we feed on what we crave. And what we feed on becomes our future. And so if you want to change your future, change your craving. Now, many of you understand that I'm not talking about potato chips any longer. I'm not talking about your physical diet. I'm not saying that your physical diet doesn't matter. I'm not saying that God isn't concerned about our physical diet. But this, me this message this morning is not about your physical diet. I want you to think about your spiritual life. I want to say this again. You feed on what you crave. And what you crave, you are predicting your future by your cravings and what you're feed on. You can't crave something and feed on that and say, oh God, how come things in my marriage aren't working out? How come things in my relationships aren't working out? How come my finances aren't working out? How come my job isn't working out? If you want to change your future, it's not a magic wand that you just wave over your future. You got to change what you feed on and in order to change what you feed on you need to change what you crave and the great news this morning is just this this tracks spiritually just like it tracks physically so although genetics may pay play a part in what you crave it's not the end of the story we have the ability to change our craving. So let's go to the book of Numbers. Israel been delivered out of Egypt. They're now in the middle of the desert. And basically God is working on them. The entire, I think you could argue, the entire book of Exodus and the entire wilderness is all about changing the craving. Watch this, Numbers 1, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord heard everything they said. This is not my message this morning, but just because your boss was out of town this week and they didn't hear you complaining about them, God heard you complaining. Just a thought there. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. And the people screamed to Moses for help. And when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites, they began to crave. Say crave. 
they began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Do you realize, do you realize that who you hang around affects your cravings? Can I, can I preach to somebody this morning that peer pressure doesn't stop when you got your high school diploma? Who we choose to hang around affect their complaining or their craving affected the complaining. Craving, cravings are transferable. And so the Israelites began to say this, all the people, all the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, for some meat. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. In Egypt, do you see what's happening? They're craving. Do you know what they're craving? They're cra they just got delivered out of 400 years of physical, mental, emotional slavery and abuse. And now, only a short time later, they are craving the very thing that they were delivered from. And it is entirely possible in our lives to actually crave our chains. We crave our chains. And so that looks like this. You were miserable in the relationship. It gave you anxiety. When you, when you went out on a date with that guy, he di you didn't like yourself. You, were, it was, you, you lost friends over this. And God, God delivered you in the form of a breakup. Sweetheart, you didn't get dumped. You got delivered. And so God delivered, he delivered you from that. But what happened two weeks later when you're sitting at home on a Friday night and you're lonely, even though you were miserable and even though you had anxiety and even though you were walking through a season of depression, you start to keep checking that phone, hoping for a text message because of the loneliness. Do you see what happens? And we begin to crave, we begin to crave our chains. And God be, has to take us through a process where he begins to break some things. He begins to change the craving. So how do we do this? we got to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. See, everybody in our life, everybody this morning has something, a craving that needs to be changed. And here, God's going to unfold how to do that. Then you will live and multiply. You will enter and occupy the land of the swore uh, to give your ancestors, remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove his character and to find out whatever, whether or not you would obey his commands. This is the verse we're really going to focus on this morning, verse 3. Here's the, here's the uh, uh, system for changing your craving. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. And he did it to teach you that people don't live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so let me give you three steps from God's word this morning, how you can change that craving in your life. And the first step is this. You've got to break. You've got to break the old craving. you got to break the old. See, you didn't think you had those cravings anymore. 
it's all coming back to you now. Can I, can I submit that if the color of a food is not found in nature, <laughs> it may not be a natural product that you want to ingest into your body. But, you know, you've got the, you've got the cheese balls, you've got the, you've got the sour patch, you've got the Doritos, you've got the cherry lemon sun drop, you've got the Susie Q's, which I didn't even know they made those anymore. You've got like all of you got the chips ahoy, you got the chocolate chip cook, like all of this, all of this junk food. And why do they call it junk food? It's because it satisfies an initial craving, but it leaves you feeling miserable. And can I just tell you this morning, that's what sin does. The Bible even says that sin is fun for a season. I guarantee that as these items touch your taste buds, you're not going to be thinking, oh, that's miserable. That's horrible. I shouldn't be eating this. No, you're going, it's going to what? It's going to develop a taste in you. It's going to develop a craving in you. But it's tomorrow morning when you wake up and you say, oh, I shouldn't have eaten the entire pack of Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies. That's why, listen, any preacher that tells you that sin is not enticing, that sin is not fun for a season, that sin doesn't look attractive, the enemy of your soul, the devil, the one who wants to kill you, steal you, and destroy you, that doesn't mean he's stupid. He's not going to come to you putting sin on a platter in a flavor that you don't have a taste for. So it doesn't, watch, watch this. It was 40 years later and the Israelites were still walking through dealing with some of the same cravings that they had. Does anybody else in your life get frustrated with yourself and you say, I've been saved 20 years, I ought not to be having that craving? It takes a while, doesn't it? It's a, it's a process. And so we, we have developed this, this taste for the junk food of, of life. And, and listen, this is what God was doing. So God in verse 3, if we understand what, if we understand what God is doing do, during different seasons of our life, I'm not necessarily that it, saying that it makes the process that we go through to break the craving any easier. But if you understand what's happening, like, have you ever been to the do a doctor's office? And hopefully this doesn't happen, but like the doctor just barges in and doesn't even say anything to you and starts grabbing on you and pulling and poking and prodding and, and you know, get, handing you all kinds of things. You're like, wait a second, what's, what's going on? But how many of you under, understand or appreciate a doctor or a PA or a nurse that walks in and before they touch you, they explain what they're going to do for you? So it may not make the discomfort go away, but if I have an understanding of why they are doing this process to make me feel uncomfortable, then at least I have an understanding. Does that make sense? And so if you have an understanding of what, see, all of, our, all of us have some junk in our lives this morning. We got a junky attitude. We got a junky relationship. We got to, and see that junky attitude that tastes good to begin with. It felt good to complain about your boss, but then it didn't feel so good the next day. 
It felt, it felt good. It felt good to lash out in anger when your kid finally pushed you over the line and it didn't have anything to do with them, but you had a stressful day at work and you couldn't yell at your coworker. And so you got home and your kid did one thing that in the scope of all eternity wasn't that bad, but you took all the frustration of the day and poured it out on them. And that didn't feel so bad at all initially. But it felt a little bad. See, all of, all of, I don't know what, I don't know what your cheese ball is. But you all got them. Tell your neighbor, you got a cheese ball. Like, you got a, you got a Susie Q. We all have some junk in our heart. We got some junk in our life, an old attitude, an old, an old thought pattern. An old desire, something, something even though that we've been brought out of Egypt, that Egypt hasn't necessarily been brought all the way out of us. And so what does God say that he's doing? Let's look. Let's look behind the scenes. So the physician of your life, the physician of your heart is now he's telling you what he's going to do before it hurts. Yes, he humbled you. What does the Bible say? He humbled you. By, let, by letting you go hungry. Can I, this is a word for somebody this morning. Your hunger is a gift. Your hunger is a gift. God is allowing there to be a situation in your life, i.e. a desire that you have that's not being fulfilled. Do you know what it's teaching you? It's teaching you to stop relying on yourself and humble yourself and rely on God. So you used to be able to fulfill that sexual desire by a promiscuous relationship. And God took that relationship away and he's teaching, he's teaching your hunger is a gift. So he can change your heart and attitude and behavior so that he can give you a wonderful spouse one day. Your, your hunger is a gift. That desire to succeed that you fulfilled for years by greed and tearing people down and gossiping about other people in the office so that they wouldn't get the promotion. God is allowing you to go hungry so he could humble you. He's taking away. See, you used to, there's nothing wrong. Do you see that the desire is not wrong? It's the method to fulfillment. The desire for sexual fulfillment is not wrong. It's a God-given desire. It's the way you fulfill it. The desire to be successful and earn a good living and provide for your family is not a wrong desire. It's the way that you fulfill it. And what God is doing during the hungry seasons of your life is he's humbling you and said you used to be able to do this because of your looks or your personality or your way with words. Well, it's not going to work anymore. You have to break that desire and walk through. Hunger is a season. But if you don't walk through the season of hunger, then you don't walk through the next table. And step two is that you have to then reorient your taste buds. <laughs> can, I, can I just tell you what your salvation experience looked like? So um, you were living in the junk of sin and it finally caught up with you and you realized, I am miserable this is not fulfilling me in any way. I want out of this. God saved me. And he delivered you out of Egypt. And you walked away from the junk. And you were on cloud nine. Every worship song was like the Holy Spirit wrote that worship song for you. 
You're like, oh my goodness, once and every prayer that somebody else prayed for you was a prophetic word for you. And everybody you ran into, you were an, you didn't need an evangelism class. You were an evangelist. You just started telling people, Jesus, this, this Jesus, I met this Jesus and I don't understand it all, but I used to be miserable and depressed and anxious and I didn't have any peace and I was always being torn down by relationships and Jesus saved me and you were on this cloud and God said, that's awesome, but that's not all that I have for you. I want to give you more. And so he didn't, you've got to understand this spiritually. God didn't take the Israelites out of Egypt one day and plop them down into the promised land the other day. He took them through the wilderness. He took them through the wilderness. And so one day you woke up and you came to church and you didn't get the little spiritual tingly goosebumps during worship anymore. And it was a little bit of a dry season. See, the Israelites woke up. They, walked, they had meat in Egypt. They had vegetables in Egypt. And in the desert, the Bible says, and, he was, and, and God was feeding them with manna. Manna was kind of like this uh, uh, bread-like substance. So they had bread and water. And the next day they had bread and water. And they had bread and water. And they had bread and water. And how many of you remember or maybe some of you this morning are living here spiritually? It's a little bit dry. It's a little bit of a desert. And can I, can I tell you, can I just tell you that you can't skip this season? You can't skip this season. And the God that delivered you out of this season is the same God that will walk you through every step of this season. The power of the Lord. The Lord didn't leave you. You know what he's teaching you to do? He's teaching you not to trust your feelings. He's teaching you to grow your faith. He's growing, growing you. Again, let me give you the behind the scenes. Here's the behind the scenes. Remember how the Lord, verse 2, remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you. To prove your character and to find out whether you, or not you would obey his commands. God is, God's working on, this is character season, church. This is character season where I do the right thing because it's the right thing and not because it feels good. It's, it's character, it's, it's obedience season where I obey even though um, I obeyed yesterday and I opened up my tent and I expected to see promised land food and it was still manna, but I still obey. And this season, I'm just, I'm just telling you, this, this can be a confusing season. This can be a confusing season even in 2018 when God gave you that Occupy word. Remember January? Remember when you got your word for the, remember when God spoke that and you thought, you thought, because I thought that God was, you thought like February 1st, I was going to land in Occupy. And what happened? It's October. Almost. <laughs> it's September 30th. It's, it's fall. And you got to say that to yourself to remind you of that fact. When you're sweating, when you leave the, you're like, it's fall, it's fall, it's fall. But you can't skip this season. And maybe you feel a little bit dry this morning. Maybe you feel like your desert is uh, overwhelming you. Maybe, maybe you feel like the presence of the Lord has left you. But here's what God is doing. The Holy Spirit is developing your character 
He's teaching you obedience, and he's teaching you, watch this, verse 3c, he did it to teach that people do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can I give you your action step for this season? This is a word season. This is a word season because your emotions won't lead you. The word has to lead you. The opinions of other people won't lead you, only the word. You got to dive into the word. When you're in this season, you got to read your word more than you've ever read it in your life. You've got to memorize the words. You've got to consume the words. You've got to envelop and surround yourself with the word. Um, so so let, me, let me even give you a... a uh, picture here. So this is, uh, this is what happens to you. Let's go back um, phys physically. This is what happens to you. Um, when you do something called uh, the Whole30, which I had somebody text me this week and the text said something like this, y'all need to stop it with this bread is bad nonsense. Jesus did not say I am the broccoli of life. Jesus did not say, give me this day our daily kale, all right? So just uh, throwing that out. So, but, but this is the process. What, uh, they'll, they'll tell you whether it's Whole30 or whether it's anything else in your life, they'll tell you that this thing is a process, right? You don't go from eating this to craving something new the next day. Your body has to break that craving. And so it gives you this step of like, okay, you, you start off with, okay, th this is no big deal. Wait a second, what have I done? And then for the next couple of days, you're miserable. And then by the fourth and fifth day, you want to kill everything. And then you just want to sleep. And then you don't understand why your pants are actually tighter when they should be looser. Has anybody walked through this spiritually? Have you, God, I'm obeying you. Why are things getting worse, not better? You got to trust the process. And then the hardest days and dreaming of junk food. And then you start to get the tiger blood. And then you realize, man, I can, I can, I can quit. I can quit now, but God says, I don't want you to quit early. You got to go all the way. You got to press, you got to press through. A lot of times spiritually, the time, the very time that we think that we have victory, that's not the time to quit. That's the time to press in. So somebody, you're tasting a little bit of victory this morning. The time when you taste victory is not the time to back off in your spiritual life. That's the time to press on even more. Then you're like, you always want to check it out. How do I look? How do I look? How do I look? How do I look? The scale and the mirror. Oh, I could quit a couple days early. Is 28 as good as 30? But then we get to that, we get to that end. Right? We get to that end and there's this process. But it's all for this final purpose. Step three, to develop a new craving. See, the goal, the goal of all of this is not just to get out of the junk. The goal of all of this is not where, this is where some of, I love some of the writings of the church fathers. They're so, they're so deep, they're so rich, they're so, I mean, just imagine the kind of relationship you could have with the Lord without Facebook. Like just, if, if we just, I mean, focused on God, but, but some of them got it messed up and they thought that the desert was the ultimate spiritual experience. It's not. Like some of them would literally go live in the desert 
Uh, one, dude, one dude climbed to the top of a pole and lived on top of a pole in the desert for like 30 days. Because they thought that, that this was the pinnacle. And here's what the enemy is doing to some of you. The enemy is lying to some of you and saying, oh, that's all it is. See that Occupy word that God spoke to you in January? It's not true. It just ended up being desert. And so why don't you go back? Oh, didn't that, didn't that taste good? Do you remember how you felt? And here's what the enemy will do during this season, is he will remind you of the emotional high of your sin and help you to forget the consequences of your sin. And he'll say, and he'll say things like, this is it. This is all you were made for. This is all you were made for. And it's at that point where you have to remind yourself. And can I just serve as the voice of the Lord to remind, can I remind you where you're headed? Can I remind you what your future looks like? Can I remind you? I, want, I, I just feel like, I feel like this is my assignment this morning. Is to tell somebody that's been walking through a season of grieving that tomorrow's gonna be a little better. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.